So this is Doug. This is Jacob. And this is the, you, th- you reckon it's the 17th episode of Best Worst Podcast? Yeah, 17th, 18th, something like that. Yeah, when, when you operate as irregular as a schedule as we <laughs> do, it's uh, always a guess. But, um, but welcome back to Best Worst. It's a shame it's not the 16th because this episode is sponsored by the uh, Glenlivet Nadura 16-year. 16-year-old, Clink. That's a... Uh, and uh, calf strength. This yeah. is um, some fine uh, mouth-warming beverage. Yeah, well, um, we need to break out the... Uh, Serious stuff because it's a serious occasion. We've got oh, a lot yes. of uh, film to start excavating because the New Zealand Film Festival is suddenly again upon us. Yep, New Zealand International Film Festival 2013. We've had how many sort of drip fed to us on the web and and the odd bit and bits and pieces in the newspaper that you've seen that I haven't. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit uh, foolish the links we go to yeah. to find out these things. But, but it's getting more and more exciting. It's got, looking like a good lineup so far. So yeah, we're recording this on Saturday the twenty second. Yep. Um, you're going along to the program launch on the twenty uh, yeah, Monday fourth yeah, Monday. 24th. So. Uh, and then the programs are out on Tuesday, and given our schedule, this will probably go on the web on Thursday or Friday. <laughs> so um, before you ask why we haven't uh, covered a film, it's probably because we don't know it's playing yet. So, But um, even with just what's been announced so far, there's heaps of exciting things. And uh, I think between us, each of us has nine must-see films, some of which overlap, some of which don't. And then there's some other stuff that's worth talking about just because yeah, it's yeah. interesting to us. And rather than do a bunch of... Uh, do our usual three-hour Baton Death March uh, <laughs> podcast. We're thinking maybe we can break it up over a couple and yeah. give you plenty of time to listen to this before it starts. Uh, yeah. All, what, 18 of our devoted listeners? <laughs> That's a good amount. It's uh, some less. So there's um, four films that are on both our lists. Yeah. Um, and one of the... F- the first one is one of the first ones that was announced for the festival. Yeah, the um, first film, wasn't it? I think so, yeah, which is already played in the States and out on Blu-ray, yeah, so which that's is probably part of it. It's uh, Shane Carruth's Upstream Color. Yeah, so Shane Carruth did Primer, which played in the Fest in 2004, and I think he came here for then. Oh, um, really? Yeah, because I wanted to see it, and then it was sold out. And then he promptly spent <laughs> the next nine years working on his follow-up. Um, <laughs> it's a bit more complicated than that, as everything with Shane Carruth is. As anyone knows, he's seen, seen Primer. Upstream Color is supposed to be just a completely visionary unique film um god those adjectives are so dull aren't they yeah I, it, that sounds anything but dull from the well, little I, mean, I know about it if, if, did, um, did you watch the trailer i did watch the trailer a, a very early trailer yeah. and i said i wasn't going to watch anymore I, I watched the trailer as well and i mean there are certain films that i'll avoid mm. watching the trailer for particularly if i know i'm going to see them anyway mm. but i figure he makes films that are not particularly spoilerable you know and the trailer to me didn't spoil anything yeah, it's interesting because I think I think that what he, his films are very clear to him. Yeah, um, and um, and maybe because they're kind of sort of exist on the cusp of just having enough information. Yeah. I've seen some grumpy interviews from him where <laughs> I think I think he's kind of a bit over a couple things. Like he hasn't talked about the budget or what camera yeah. he shot on. Apparently, yeah. he shot on the Canon five D and oh, yeah. self funded it. Um, and in fact, he's he's done everything himself. He acts in it. He's done the music himself. Oh wow! He's distributing the film himself. He's oh, just yeah. kind of. Um, complete polymath and it was a bit of a worry because um, one of the things that's really changing now is you know you can buy this film legitimately from his site now Mm. you can have it here and with the festival once a year it used to be like oh well if something comes out it's like you know ages before there's any other way to get it 
but now with shortened theatrical windows yeah, and simultaneous and VOD VOD release, yeah. I mean, there's films that I would have loved to see in the program this year, like Wrong, for instance, comes yeah. to mind. That you know, I mean, it's one thing when people are illegally downloading films, but it's another when the filmmakers themselves or inter- other international companies have it legally available. Oh, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out over the years in terms of what plays and what doesn't. Yeah, um, it, it's and almost I think it's already like, changing things. I imagine. Yeah, it, it almost sort of seem would seem to be uh, luck of the draw when things get released overseas for us, really, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit of that. Um, I suppose. See, um, unless you anything else about upstream color to add? Uh, no, just that it looks. You know, there's this, visually, yeah. I found the trailer look really interesting, and tonally look fan- yeah fascinating. Yeah, and I, I believe it's guaranteed for the Civic screen as well. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. Looking at beautiful pictures on the Civic screen is, of course, one of the best joys of the film festival. Yeah. It was one of the really nice things about the um, uh, Autumn Colors Festival, actually getting to sneak into the Civic outside of uh, yeah. um, its normal allocated two weeks a year to enjoy that. But okay. yeah, for anyone who hasn't been to the Civic... Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. The the new um, projection and sound in there is, is awesome. Um, it, so, Doug, you're next. No, you're next. Um, speaking, so this <laughs> okay, is, sorry, uh, sorry. sorry but, uh, God, we're, we're so far. That's the sound of 14 people turning off their podcast. Uh, you're next. I have a long history with. I went to Fantastic Fest in 2011, and it was 2011. It, 2011, and it premiered there, and I wanted to go see it. But um, maybe it premiered at Toronto. Lionsgate bought the rights and promptly shut down all but one screening of Your Next at Fantastic Fest, which only a few people, not including me, got into. Wow. And then it has sat... Oh, because they Because wanted... they were going to do a big release Leaf of it. They didn't yeah. want it to be... Oh, the hype, blah, blah, blah. And then they sat on it for two years. And... Uh, Why? Waiting for just the perfect release date, I guess. And now it's finally... They finally... Decided. Decided it's ready. I think it's coming out August 23rd in the States because apparently there's no better time to put out. Um, what you're next is is a home invasion body count yeah. kind of horror movie that's in that description sounds pretty straightforward. You know, a yeah. bunch of people are at a house for somebody's some special occasion and then yeah. they start getting offed one by yeah. one. It's very much from everything I've heard about it, a film that really has joy and subverts those mm. cliches. I mean, obviously it's a film about those kinds of films. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't love or have some affection for it, it's, it almost seems like the Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Straight up slasher yeah, movies. It, that's probably overstating its ambitions a bit. And it's Ad- but, Adam um, Wingard, isn't it? Yeah, who did uh, Pop Skull, which Pop Skull, played yeah. many 2007, I think, uh, maybe? Sure. <laughs> Where's our fact checker when we need him? <laughs> Why do we fire him? Um, uh, t- I think Ty West has a bit part in this as well. Oh, okay. Um, yep. Yeah, as one of many... Uh, potential bodies. I don't know if he's an actual body, but yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah, it's a, there's some interesting sort of overlap between some of because um, I think Joe Swanberg might have been in it as well. I'm just making stuff up at this point. But there's some, starting to be some overlap of like kind of the mumblecore stuff and some of yeah. these independent horror yeah. filmmakers, and um, it's interesting because yeah, that's sort of affiliated with sort of the Alamo Draft House. Yeah, well, that, kind that's of thing. Uh, one of Ant's films, isn't it? Uh, your next, it's, it yeah. is in the Incredibly Strange section. And I guess there is overlap between, like, Incredibly Strange and, like, Draft House films and yeah, yeah. stuff like that. And then the next film we're going to mention is actually a Draft House release, release but it's, yeah. it's also the, 
probably the only draft house release that's executive produced by Werner Herzog oh, and Daryl Morris, Morris. Yeah. which is called The Act of Killing. Do you want to talk about this one? Okay, yeah, so The Act of Killing sounds fascinating. Um, it was one of the ones that I think Bill wrote up um, pretty positively out of um, his Toronto experience. Yeah. And it's set in... Oh, I can't remember. Is it... Which part of Southeast Asia is it in? I believe it's Thailand. Yeah, it's, it's, I will confirm that. Well, we you, should we should confirm that. But basically, it, um, it's a documentary where the documentary maker goes and does a series of interviews with people involved in a, the regime that was uh, a dictatorial regime that was. It is not Thailand. <laughs> it is Indonesia. Indonesia, yeah. yes. It was um, that was responsible for a, a bunch of sort of mass murder, um, and he gets the people that were quite high up in the regime on camera talking about their experiences and then they they create a, a theatrical production about it yeah reenacting like reenacting what happened was, yeah um and apparently the people who kind of still ideologically believe that they were in the right um and that their actions weren't that bad um acting out all this awful stuff and i guess there's that whole sort of sense of do they come to a realization of just what it was they perpetuated yeah, yeah. It sounds like a very... I mean, obviously, Draft House specializes yeah. in difficult kind of stuff, and this is right up their alley in that sense. But it's an interesting um, sort of historical interrogation yeah. of people who are sort of now as far on the right side of history Pretty. as far, far as, like, you know, they aren't going to be punished yeah. for their actions, but at the same time, their actions should probably be considered unconscionable. Yeah. And is there, you know, how do you bring these things to light, discuss them in society. Yeah. And then in something as well where um, there's been such glamour around the act of killing. So that, you know, I mean, obviously we just talked about a film that's about glamorizing to some extent. And there's certainly, it's far from the only one. And so, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a troubling, intriguing Yeah, quite uncomfortable, but... Film, yeah. But we uh, like uncomfortable films. And in many ways, the kind of sort of film that I would describe, again, sort of... Some, somewhat cliche, but as a necessary kind of film, that these things need to be brought to light and need to be talked about, and it just sounds fascinating that they've got the actual perpetrators of this examining their own actions in a, such a public form. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no smooth segue to the next yeah. one. The Grand Beauty, uh, La Grande Belleza. Um, last year, I was talking about this must be the place yeah. by director Paulo Sorrentino. Yeah. Um, which. It was an odd duck of a film. It's one I loved. And that was... Um, he's most famous to me for The Consequences of Love, which mm. is still one of my top 25 films of all time. Yeah. El Devo is another one that I think had some press behind it. Um, the Grand Beauty uh, played at Cannes this year, yeah. and uh, it stars his uh, longtime leading man, Tony Servillo. And yeah. it's a bit of a... Um, uh, kind of a La Dolce Vita kind of setting of a jaded world-weary man. Yeah going around this all i can say is again it's the civic screen uh sorrentino is the most exciting director that i know of in terms of how he moves his camera yeah yeah just in terms of nourishing exciting pictures uh i don't expect to see anything more consistently engaging at the festival um his stories don't always connect Mm. um sometimes the the family friend for instance just goes way off but by all counts this is considered the plus book on his side and uh i'll put in a plug as well uh the distributor palace films oh yes brought us the loneliest planet and taboo last year which um 
people who have heard me talk for more than five minutes at any point have probably heard me rave about those. Mm. Um, they're bringing us upstream color and the grand beauty this year, yeah. possibly amongst others. But um, So that's our consensus upstream color. You're next, the act of killing the grand beauty, and you can book those tickets probably by the time you hear this. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but then there's also some we don't quite see eye to eye on for various reasons. Yes. Um, so you want to tuck into a couple? Ones yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, one that I've I've made a quite a bit of noise about pre-festival or since I heard about it that uh, was announced reasonably early on. I think is um, much ado about nothing. Um, so that's uh, Joss Whedon's adaptation of uh, Shakespeare's comedy, uh, and uh, I guess the the press around this the interesting thing is that. After shooting the Avengers, which love it or hate it, um, was quite a big spectacle and took a lot of time. He had a, a block of time off before he needed to do some other projects, and um, he was going to get away with his wife apparently. And she said, "You know, what you really want to do is make another film project, but you've had this thing bubbling away, and you've got some friends. Why don't you just like invite some friends around and make a film?" Yeah. And so he straight off the back of the Avengers his time off was basically had a, invited a whole lot of friends around for some dinner parties at his house and sort of talked about a project with them they sort of went oh yeah and he used to do take to be live readings and they found themselves actually in a production of that and I think they shot it in a couple of weeks in his house in very quick turnaround yeah, yeah. In his house, so looks like a nice house from the trailer. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> I think he's done well for himself. So, yeah. well, but, it should be after because I mean, yeah. he did like what Lost and Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, JJ Whedon. I, yeah. I have a weird thing that I can't, I can't keep track of what Abrams has done and what Whedon has done. Yeah. I, and it, I, I figured it out today though. It's because um, Abrams did Cloverfield. Yes, with. Drew Goddard, yes. who then went on to do, do Cabin, Cabin in, in the, the Woods, Woods yeah. with Joss Whedon. I'm like, that's weird. And then I went back and discovered that well, Drew, Drew Goddard, Goddard was a staff yeah. writer for both Lost and Buffy. And Buffy, yeah. So I was like, okay, he just happens to already be connected yeah. to those yeah, two. Yeah, but okay. I, that, I didn't that know he was on the, Lost. Yeah. I, I knew he was on Buffy, but... Yeah, that, so he's got deep roots with both those guys. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, yeah. Much ado, um, it just seems to me like... I guess if you don't like Joss Whedon, then there's no sort of instant sell for you unless you're particularly interested in Shakespeare adaptations. Um, which I am, um, and I really enjoyed Much Ado, um, a Kenneth Branagh version, Emma Thompson, back in Isn't 92. Isn't that the one with Keanu Reeves? Yeah, yeah, really he was the bad. worst. Yeah, yeah, he was oh, Don John, maybe? Um, he was one of those Don dudes. I, think oh, it was I, I don't know, he's just like, oh, He was completely yeah. wooden, but the rest of them were really good. Yeah. I thought, anyway. Well, I was one of those that, you know, this is mm. that's the only thing I remember from it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Shakespeare's okay. He, did, he wrote some decent stuff. But if but, you like um, Whedon, it's got like a whole heap of his collaborators from across his range of things. So some of the cast from Firefly, like Nathan Fillion's in there, um, although he's, in, he's also in um, Buffy as well. Uh, and it's got um, some of the, the dudes that um, appeared in Dollhouse. Um, I'm pretty sure Frank Kranz is in there and, and a couple of others. And, and so just a bunch of names that if you watch Whedon stuff, you're excited to see them in, all together. And people from projects who perhaps know each other but haven't worked together in a so do you get like project. patches when you join the fan club <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean I, I like Dr. Horrible sing-along blog yeah, I, did yeah, it, I didn't like the Avengers I like the one and a half episodes of Firefly that I've seen and I've meant to see the rest but I haven't got around to it um, I've had three different people that I'm supposed to watch it with that it's always fallen over. I, um, I can't yeah. the DVDs, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, I even have, I, I have the ability to watch it. I just, yeah, I always made plans to watch, 
watch it with somebody because yeah. it's kind of fun to watch a series with somebody. Um, yeah, I think it'll come back. I, I don't feel particularly. I drawn don't know. To it. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure that will come back. That's true. I mean, I guess he didn't. Uh, it took his active will to get Cabin in the Woods here in the first place. Yeah. I suppose so. Maybe it won't. But it just seems like Cabin in the Woods is like horror. Much Ado About Nothing is like. Poppy Shakespeare, it seems like the sort of thing that'll be at the Capitol for three months. Possibly. Or, you know, at Rialto at least, but maybe I'm wrong. And maybe off the um, back of the Avengers he has that kind of pull now, but I don't... Yeah. yeah. It's more likely to come back than the other US indie that you've got on your list, I yes. reckon, which I'm, yes, I'm which also I'm, a bit more curious about, but I don't know almost and, anything and, about. And it's, again, it's probably nearing the end of its festival run. I was surprised that it made the list, actually, because I, I just I thought we weren't going to see it, which is... um. Sean Baker, I believe, Starlet. I'm not going to be able to correct you on that yeah. one. So, um, and and the director's coming, which is pretty exciting. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's... So he's he's going to do uh, director in the moment Q and A, hopefully, and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully we'll have a chance to sit down and talk to him. And, and what is it? What is Starlet? Oh, okay, so it's it's a it's a little uh, indie film about a young, like um, maybe early twenties t- um, girl who gets in a odd kind of social relationship with an older lady like a she might be an octogenarian or something um and she i think it first comes off because she um buys something for her from the old lady has a garage sale and she buys something from her and then um something and it might have had something in it like money or something like that and she decides to see what this lady is about and then they yeah. strike up this kind of very odd couple friendship and Comedy, drama, somewhere in the middle? Uh, I think primarily a drama, okay. a relationship drama. Um, okay. But no coming of age, pro- right? Pro- no. Okay, good. But she's also, I guess it has comic touches to it, I, I imagine. Not taking itself too seriously, but being an, an interesting kind of um, idea to play out dramatically. Cool. Yeah. Well, that sounds promising. And, huh? and when yeah. I watched the um, trailer, I, I just sort of dug the kind of the very, the, the fresh feeling of it. Do you, do you watch trailers for stuff you know you're going to see? Sometimes, sometimes yeah. depends what it is. If okay. it's something that I feel like is is going to be heavily narrative narratively driven, and it's got, um, and I feel like they're going to be ticking off the ten best moments of the film in the trailer, then I will often avoid it. Because I literally only watch trailers if I can't make the decision any other way. Oh, really? Like uh, I just, or if I, I mean, obviously. Although I probably saw the trailer for this when I knew nothing about it. Yeah. Um, way back when it first came out, um, in uh, I think it was Sundance, maybe. Um, yeah. I just feel like, yeah. I mean, a trailers can be quite deceptive in terms of yeah how the, it, the they tell you some images and stuff, but they don't yeah. necessarily tell you how they're deployed. And then also, yeah, um, they can also be quite give you quite a lot more narrative information than you necessarily you really, yeah. want. I mean, I've seen films where it's like, ah. Oh, <laughs> that's the first 50 minutes of the film and oh, yeah, it makes yeah. you wonder as, as a filmmaker actually because I mean I, I'm struggling with this with my film in some ways of how much you reveal and how much you keep hidden and yeah. it's like it's like oh well if I have to tell that much about it to get people interested then maybe I should have told more story or told that earlier yeah. in the film um, so you've got two US kind of modest films I've yeah. got two elder statement, statesmen who've probably made insane uh, disasters, but that both intrigued the hell out of me. Yeah. One is the latest film by Terrence Malick, who managed to piss off many people at a festival yeah, yeah. a few years ago with The Tree of Life. The, I think the paper today described To the Wonder as a film that made uh, The Tree of Life seem coherent or something <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty pointed like that. And um, <laughs> it's getting very mixed reviews out of the States, or it has done. 
It is, and and I don't know that I'll love it, um, but I don't know. I, it's one of those like weird places where I am as a film goer and stuff, is that I'd rather see something that's going to be an experience yeah. and interesting and really images that merit being on a big screen yeah. than something that was like, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. What are we having for dinner? Yeah. You know? I mean, I still, you know, vividly remember sitting through Tree of Life, yeah. and I remember getting angry with it at points. <laughs> um, and I, But, I mean, I've come back to it, and I still have problems with it, and there's still patches which are just visionary. And, I mean, and sometimes, you know, you can't... What makes a filmmaker great and what makes a filmmaker terrible or not separable? They're yeah. part of that, you know? And um, Malik on the big screen... I mean, maybe maybe after if he keeps doing the same thing for a couple more films, I'll be yeah. done with it. But um, I'm still um, willing to go to bat for that as a theatrical experience that's yeah. unmissable. I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Like, I, I don't know if it'll make my list just because I'm Malik doesn't capture me as much. But I do agree that um, he uses the big screen well. And if and if there was someone that who if you do want to see their films, you should definitely see it on the big screen. Yeah. I would put him in that category. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, so the dance of reality, Alejandro yes. Jodorowsky, who's eighty-two years old or something like that. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's an old guy, but Holy Mountain, I know we've discussed on yeah. this podcast. Most before. famous for Holy Mountain, El Topo, I guess. El Topo, Santa Sangre, I think, are probably yeah. the three that people would have heard of if they've heard of. Which are out of the seventies? Uh, I think Santa Sangre so was eighties. Yeah, but yeah, um, he's had a long break from filmmaking. And um, he's now returned with this picture, which is autobiographical of him to some extent in a, I think it's kind of a Fellini Amicard kind of oh, yeah. vibe going. But And I'm not usually a bit, it, it is when he's young and so it's potentially a coming of age story. So I'm a little, <laughs> yeah, I do have a little bit of wariness. I, I, but I, can you but, imagine a coming of age story from Jodorowsky? Well, that's the thing <laughs> is that, um, and they've slotted it, um, they've slotted it perfectly because um, there's certain traditional slots at the festival yeah. and one of my favorites is the last film at the civic often after the live cinema thing oh, and yeah. they managed a couple of years in a row for a while to have some real divisive yeah. films they had antichrist there one yeah. year they had enter the void yeah compliance technically sort of had that slot last year yeah. but it was stuck in queen street and yeah. um came in late so it's people miss getting in a fight about that which is too bad because it's so much fun to argue about and there were plenty but, of walkouts uh, during its yeah. theatrical run <laughs> but yeah so I just like knew Jodorowsky he's a guy who thinks big he's kind of I mean he sort of reminds me of Herzog in that way of somebody mm. who's just driven to put unforgettable images on mm. screen and why wouldn't you go and he's sort of he seems to that. me to be quite, just quite naturally surreal which is a quality that I quite like but that sometimes That's... feels like people are attempting to be surreal because they want to have that quality. Sometimes I feel that. So brief digression, um, Only God Forgives. Yeah. We've both seen as well, which is yeah. not playing the festival. No, no. Um, That's the new Nicholas Winding Raffin um, collaboration yeah. with uh, Ryan Gosling. So that's a, f- not a sequel as such, but a f- their follow-on collaboration from Drive. Yeah. And... Um, which did play festival. Yeah, well, at least, I will uh, play Wellington. Wellington. Yeah. yeah, it was a late acquisition. Um, it, it's it's such it's actually dedicated to Jodorowsky. On yeah, the I saw that. Is, and it illustrates the difference between somebody who lives like Jodorowsky, Jodorowsky did yeah, yeah. and somebody who 
watches a lot of Jodorowsky films, films and has some idea for some crazy shit to throw in yeah. his film in a nutshell. Um, I mean, we probably don't want to go too far down this road, but I was yeah. not a fan of Only God Forgives. No, um, I, I was... I Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't a big fan or, or even a small fan, really. <laughs> uh, for me, I think... I felt the attempt quite, mm. uh, uh, quite heavily. The attempt to be a certain style and to be a certain thing that didn't really seem to fit the filmmaker. Yeah, it's um mm. it's a strange film and yeah. um I'm I'm not that surprised it didn't make the festival this year because it doesn't seem like I am. Having said that it won the audience award or something in Sydney, did yeah. it? Won, yeah, which I was quite surprised and by. And there's it. quite and, a few positive reviews coming out of um, Sydney. Yeah, well there's there's one there's one review I saw of it. I mean briefly the concept of it is Ryan Gosling it runs a um, kickboxing club in Thailand and is also involved in importing drugs, drugs yeah. and then his brother gets killed after trying to... His brother's a, a bit of a sado, sadist, really. Yeah, yeah, and, and rapes some... Rapes a... Prostitute? <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's all, prostitute, it's all, yeah. yeah. Young prostitute. Yeah, and then so then it's kind of a revenge film of sorts, but you know, you hear, oh, it's a Ryan Gosling kickboxing film, so there's mm. going to be a lot of great kickboxing fights. No, it's not really that kind of film. No, uh, it's kind of yeah. And it, and I, I saw one review that described it as kind of a horror film. And you can if you almost if you think of it as like paced like a horror film, mm. it sort of makes sense. I don't know. It's unforgettable. It's kind of like Spring Breakers or something like mm. that. And that it's a, it's not a failure of an, of under ambition, mm. but it is a failure. And maybe the dance of reality will be as well. Maybe to the wonder it will be as well. But. Um, but yeah, I'm, like you say, it's, yeah. they'll definitely bring some response. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, your next one will bring some response. <laughs> Which one are we... Stranger by the Lake? Oh, Stranger by the Lake, yes. Now, I don't remember a whole heap about this, except that I heard people talking about it out of Cannes, I think. Mm. Um, and just thought, this sounds pretty interesting. Sounds like the sort of thing that would be right up my tree. And I'm really glad that we got it, because, you know, I didn't think by any means it would be a shoo-in. Yeah, um, the filmmaker, I've seen one film, um, I'm, as you know, we always butcher names yeah. here, so uh, Alain Giraudy I'll go with. Oh, yeah, um, yep. He did a film, he's done several films, but there's one I saw called No Rest for the Brave, which was quite interesting and sort of, um, it's hard, it really would be hard to synopsize, because it just seems like a film about... Some people kind of hanging out, mm. but then it kind of starts getting casually surreal, and yeah. without without being really obvious about it. And um, Stranger by the Lake, I think, maybe a bit more straight ahead narratively. It seems I think it's about these people who hang out at this lake in France that's yeah. um, a gay cruising yeah. place, and apparently one of the big issues around the film is that there is very unsimulated <laughs> oh, yeah. gay sex in it. And, but then there's a murder that's observed as well, yeah. and there's some kind of um, mystery around that and mm-hmm. um for those who can handle seeing um two boys putting their body parts together apparently it's it was one of the best reviewed films of can yeah um despite not being in the competition proper yeah so it it just slid off my top list but i'm really curious about it yeah. um and unless like unless one of the other films i mentioned is playing all at the same time and there's no other way to slot it in i'll definitely be yeah. seeing that yeah I will definitely not, however, be seeing a certain other film. <laughs> the past, yes. Yeah, so, um, those those of you who would have heard us, um, if you if you if you're one of our eighteen listeners, um, we had a, a bit of a back and forth um, and came out on the other side of of Asghar Fahadi. Yeah, 
Um, and this is the new Fahadi film. So Fahadi did um, a separation, and and if you uh, have it all been in NZFF territory, um, their autumn events um, did a retrospective of his work. Um, and so I, I got to see uh, all of those, and that was fantastic. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to see what he's, what he's doing here. I suspect it'll be similar in that he thematically seems to explore similar kinds of thematics. Um, the structure sort of changes a little bit. Um, the, I mean, the context is the same, but the structure and, and the and the setup. So he's done a couple of ensemble pieces and a couple of more kind of locked down to one or two protagonists. But I, I just find his handling of the relational complexity and the character characterization really good, and also um, his uh, structure and his shooting to be pretty much on par with that as well. Yeah. Um, a Separation's a really well-made film and well-acted, yeah. and... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go see it when it comes back and does its three-month run at Capitol or whatever, um, and and then I'll... I'm sure I'll be bludgeoned into submission into having some kind of emotion after people yell at each other for... Uh, <laughs> I, just can't, I just can't get excited about it, and yeah. you, you have to make choices, Um and yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll be the one that clicks with me. It certainly received great reviews out of yeah. Ken. And um, well, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think anybody who saw um, a separation and that kind of grabbed them will be keen to get this one as well. Yeah, which is literally everybody who's not me. I think. Yeah, so yeah, pretty much. Um, so if you're not me, you then look forward <laughs> to the past. Speaking of the past, oh yeah, speaking of the past, I didn't even know this was coming. You said you saw this in the paper. Yeah. Um, so Utu, Jeff Murphy's yep. film, yep, um, has been. And I don't know exactly what's been done with it, yeah, but it's but been re Yeah, I think it's been slightly re-edited and cleaned up and yeah. restored. Um, I don't know how different. I mean, this is it is. This but, is um, a, a seminal New Zealand film, and which I've never seen. A really interesting look at at um, I guess um, colonial issues, and so it's set back and and. The, um, the sort of the settlement of New Zealand times and, and uh, the land wars and various other bits and pieces and Utu, uh, the meaning that it's taken here is, is revenge and so you're looking at people, I guess, trying to get restitution for for wrongs they feel have been done and, and that kind of whole cultural hodgepodge. So it'd be interesting to see it chucked out now um, in a somewhat different place but all where these um, issues are still kind of bubbling under the surface for a lot of people. Yeah, that's interesting because I didn't realise it was about the land wars because... Um well, I don't think it's specifically about that, but oh, it's set po- yeah. around sort of those times. Because River Queen was the film that I've seen that was set yeah. during somewhat about the land wars, and I was like, oh, it's a shame nobody's actually done a, mo- <laughs> a movie that I would like to see about this. I, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, River Queen didn't really work for me, but I mean, I'll, I'll Utu Redux, it seems like something that would come back, but if not... Um, or even if I, if it will, if I have time for it, I'll fit Yeah, then. and and I mean, um, who knows? I mean, I, it. it's probably the kind of thing that I imagine will be playing the Civic. So again, that should be a big event. Night, yeah, probably, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, and a I mean, to a lot of people. And and that I think that that's a big a big puller for me in terms of um, deciding on some films. That if you get the chance to see something that you'd like to see, two films, one and you think maybe they'll come back, but one of them's at the Civic. The Civic is such a fantastic <laughs> venue, and you don't otherwise get a chance to see films there. That that would be enough to push me towards it. I think the chance to see it at the Civic. Yeah, yeah. I um, also have some films that I'm loving to see at the Civic, <laughs> and yeah, they're yeah. also uh, old ones. Um, and I think, like, I, for you, I think you said it was more a cost thing, but um, yeah. there are three live music events that have been announced thus yeah. far. The Cameraman, which is the Buster Keaton yep. film, is the um, 
closing night film at the Civic, which yeah. is always fun. I, I'm not familiar with the cameraman, and actually, um, Keenan's one of those guys that I've had a couple runs up the tree, and I still don't quite mm. gel with. But I'm I, I'm pretty confident that that's my fault, and. I'm hoping that this time will be the time that it really clicks in for me. Well, obviously, um, with the with the live score and stuff as well, that'll be a, quite an experience. I think. Yeah, yeah. and um, hopefully, and hopefully, it won't piss me off when people laugh because it's a comedy as opposed to Nosferatu when they laughed through it. Oh. <laughs> that made me grumpy. The crowd, uh, King Vider film, which I don't know very much about. No, I don't. Know. Uh, other than it's uh, highly, you know. Mm. One of the classics of the silent era, mm. the sort of the epoch of that, and I, it's a film that I should know, but have somehow eluded me up to this point. I think that's playing at Sky City. Um, interestingly, both the cameraman and the crowd thus far, I think, are the only two films announced that are playing in 35 mil. Ah, uh, yeah, and yeah. Given the state of distribution, maybe the only two films that at play in 35 mil in this whole festival. That's insane, man. Like when you think. I think it was only two years ago. Like, last year, there was a massive swell of um, DCP, and obviously yeah, the yeah. Civic got kitted out, and so Auckland was suddenly in a better position. Actually, um, going back, that's the primary reason why Drive didn't play Auckland, actually, was because we didn't have um, that's DCP right, yeah. projection. Like, I, I, we had access... The festival has access to some of the Sky City cinemas, or no, what is it, event cinemas. It might have been Sky City back then, I don't know. But yeah. Event cinemas, um, smaller ones, which are, you know, play your mainstream sort of cinema, and they've got some good DCP systems. But they don't have, you know, they've got limited access to um, one or two cinemas during festival for that. Yeah. Um, and so that was the only kind of DCP cover that we had prior to um, the Civic getting kitted out, and now the, um, the Academy as well. Um, and I think the festival pushed really hard um, because it was basically like Auckland was going to be left out in the cold. Yeah. Um, and, and it was insane. The number of pictures between 2010 and 2011 that the balance just shifted. And it didn't just shift slightly and kind of went mm. half and half. It just flipped. Well, it's like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors that it, from studio pushing to just the actual costs of finishing and mm. print management and issues like that. It, from a filmmaking perspective, it makes sense. And I remember last mm. year... Um, they got to the end of the film festival, and even though it hadn't been, uh, I don't think they'd sold many more tickets, but they'd suddenly realized that they'd spent like a quarter of what they normally do on shipping. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. had to ship cumbersome prints around. It, uh, um, Bill also spoke in the paper today about how to freeze them up scheduling wise. Yeah. Because they don't have to worry about where a print is. They just load yeah. it in the projector and they can play it. They can play it at the opening weekend and then oh, again yeah. on the closing weekend. Yeah. And so that gives a film, you know, a couple weeks to build word of mouth as yeah, opposed yeah. to like. Hey, it's played and twice today, and now it's gone. Yeah, yeah. And so you can't nourish those films in the same sort of way. Yeah. It also makes it difficult because you know if you can put anything anywhere, where do you put anything? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I love thirty-five mil. I I love film. I know. Yeah. I know that um, like Dan Slevin, who does Cinematica, doesn't um, quite vocally, but. Um, yeah, there's just something about the physicality of the medium, and I'm really noticing how much I miss it mm. um, in digital projections. There's just something that does feel a little less special about going to see a digital film for me. Than, yeah. And it's just never going to be quite the same, I think. Having said that, Goblin is... Well, okay, so Suspiria is by Dario Argento. Argento yeah. It's pretty much my favorite horror movie of all time, probably. It's not necessarily... There's probably ones that are more consistently coherent. Yeah. 
but in terms of moments of heightened spectacle, yeah. sheer beauty and horror, and the soundtrack for it by Goblin remains the most I think I've ever spent on a CD. I actually oh, got yeah. it imported um, when it wasn't out in the States, and I think I spent like 35 US dollars for it, which, you know, we come from a country where... You know, we were spend, spending $18 on a CD is <laughs> yeah, yeah. a lot of money, which is like 24 or something yeah. here. So, um, And so Goblin coming to perform the Suspiria soundtrack, soundtrack yeah. is, in the Civic is pretty much, yeah, is definitely the most exciting announcement in the history of the film festival yeah. for me. <laughs> like, full stop. Wow. Uh, just like, um, and I'd heard they've been doing this event around the place. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're just... If you have any interest in horror whatsoever, even if you have only the mildest interest, as long as you have a stomach for it, because there are some bloody scenes. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's it's a visionary film. It's playing off digital, so, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be the same as when I saw a 35 mil print of it in a little grindhouse in Portland. Yeah. But, like, it's just such a crowd experience. The, the, show, the set pieces in it yeah. are so stunning. The silly moments, I mean, there are some quite really awkward moments of dialogue and strange bits but um i don't it, it's a movie about such amazing experiences that mm. that doesn't really matter and and that's um and it's argento at the height of his powers one of the great horror greats yeah full stop yeah it, this definitely seems like something that i think is a fantastic opportunity and uh would budget permit i would I had definitely have got along to that, but I just just doesn't at the moment, and so I, yeah. you know, and I and I, I has it sold out? Tickets were getting snapped up pretty quickly. I don't know if it sold out. It um, they certainly were moving quickly, but I mean, two thousand people to see Goblin struck oh, true, yeah, quite a yeah, quite a feat. Yeah, but who that, knows? That, that'll yeah. be Civic as well, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Regardless, I mean, you know, I mean, but if, I don't have the history with Argento or, or the bent for horror to to make it like a total miss for me. But at the same time, I can see that that as soon as it was announced, I was like, "Oh wow, that's pretty, pretty crazy." Mm. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say I'd say we should try to watch some Argento before then, just to see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe not that one specifically, just so you can get a sense of what you're missing. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> no worries. There's a couple other um, uh, older films coming as well. Charlotte from um, Satyajit Ray. Uh, which played a oh, con is a 50 yeah. year and um, I think another uh, Polanski film called Weekend of a Champion but right. um, probably the, the marquee ones are the Hitchcock ones eh? yes yes for sure. sure for sure I haven't seen North by Northwest wow yeah and so that's going to be on my list you know I I <sighs> I, I like I, I always kind of you know when you're doing your you're doing your schedule and you can only fit yeah, thirty, forty films or whatever it is. So you do uh, you do first run through the through the um through the entire booklet and it's like okay, there's eighty five films I've got to see, and you think well actually let's have another look at this. There's fifty films I've got to see, and then you have a, and then you go you get really really harsh and you have to think there's twenty five films that I need to see and I'll cry if I don't see them. Right, and then there's probably another ten to fifteen that I really really want to get to. I'm going to try and make make the budget and the programming requirements to fit them this will be in the in that second lot for me i i always kind of it's almost like i mentally chunk off 20 percent of my scheduling time to retro films yeah so 20 to 30 
let's let's just let's just get back to this thing where you haven't seen North by Northwest. Because <laughs> I was trying to. <laughs> um, it's all well and good how you have, have doing things, but motherfucker, <laughs> like. I, I know that, like, some people say, oh, Vertigo is the greatest Hitchcock film of yeah. all time, and it certainly strives for greater psychological depth. Some people say uh, Psycho because it was so groundbreaking for the time. Yeah. All I know is, if I'm going to put on a Hitchcock film, and I'm just randomly, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, chances are it's going to be North by Northwest. Northwest. I've seen it probably 11 times. It's, yeah, one of my top 25 films of all time. I've seen it on 35 mil twice, which is why... I'm not. I'm a bit wary about seeing it DCP. But if you've yeah. never seen it in a theater, and um, in the scale it deserves to be yeah. seen, it's essential. It's a film. It's a giant film. It's a. It's a, it's a romp. It's yeah. Um. You know, Cary Grant, um, being dragged through, um, just this absurdity of a plot. It's just yeah. Oh, it's it. I'm actually just. I may have to go see it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, um, you're into it. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, and, and literally, it is. If it, if it was a if it was a film restoration, I'd be there instantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I know that it's not realistic, and that's not the way of the future. But I don't have to like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I do think that like it is a film that like you know not not all films are necessarily something that you need yeah. to experience in a group setting or at scale. But I mean, you know, the famous, for instance, the famous finale, which I. Is you know set at Mount Rushmore. Oh right, yeah. Um, and you know that set piece is astonishing. And so yeah. being on a big screen, yeah. If North by Northwest is at the Civic, I will have to see it there. I'm a little less excited about um, Dial M. Yeah, which I've also seen Dial M for Murder yeah. uh, in, on film in 3D. Oh, you've seen it in um, 3D. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's fine. It's <laughs> I haven't seen it in 3D, but I've seen it, and it's yeah, it's, it's not bad. Yeah, I mean it's like a Hitchcock, and it it suffers from the fact that the bulkiness of the 3D cameras really limited how he could mm. move them, and it just it it doesn't. Um, yeah, I only dimly remember it to be honest, but it just you know I, it's one of those things. Like I don't think I've ever really seen any Hitchcock that I would consider really bad. No, like even like. Well, yeah, like, bad Hitchcock is like bad pizza, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. usually still, like, pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, or other analogies that I probably won't use on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's like, so it's, yeah, and, I mean, it's, it's, if you haven't seen it, like, yeah, it's cool to see it in 3D, I suppose. And, and yeah, it's, if you're just discovering Hitchcock, like, this is kind of a great way, like, go see these two and then get yeah. passionate and then go, like, pick up that, that 14-disc Blu-ray and work yeah, your yeah. way through everything else. But, um yeah, North by Northwest. Must see. Yeah. yeah. There are a bunch of films that we didn't talk about in that top tier that came from Cannes, and one of them yeah. is also a North <laughs> film, and that uh, has nothing in common with it. On Norte, the end of history. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, almost the entire end of history, by the sound of it. <laughs> so, Lav Diaz is a Filipino filmmaker. Uh, who usually specializes in seven-hour epics? Um, <laughs> no, seriously. Like, actually, his his last film was seven hours. I think. Um, so film schools in Philippines, they forgot to teach them that films are generally, you know, nowadays about 120 minutes. <laughs> I, I think he just he just got a lot to say. I don't know. Um, I've never seen a Lav Diaz film, but um, he has attracted a devoted following. Yeah. Um, because you know. I suppose endurance is its own reward Mystic. in a way. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, 
slow cinema, so it's, you know, I think long, long takes each, you know, like often like 13 or 14 minute takes often quite expertly, apparently like expertly put, staged and what have you, so they're each impressive shots in their own right, and then, you know, get 16 of those together and you got a four hour movie, you know, it probably goes by pretty quickly when you think of it that way. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, um, I am excited about that one uh, it's always tricky with those long ones because you don't know if you'll have time to fit them any in any sense of what it's um, about I, mean, um, I guess it's on the site or it probably is I think it's a family drama but I could be totally making that up um, coming of age dramatic comedy you know yeah yeah exactly <laughs> the uh, a dropout law student grows ever more twisted in his take on life airing political views that could be construed as fascist and deliberately alienating friends and family Another man, deep, decent and simple, seems incapable of providing for his impoverished family. Blah, blah, blah. Mistake, mistakenly jailed for the crime Dostoevsky. We're actually oh, just right. reading the website right yeah. now, which you guys can do. I, I, I just... Here's the thing. I don't care. <laughs> like, no, um, I was saying to somebody the other day, like, I'm just getting increasingly sick of film as a receptacle for narrative. Yeah, yeah. Like, And I know that's, like, really obscure and, like... Everybody's like, first question is, what's the story? Mm. You know, and it's about a story and it's about a narrative. And it's like, I just want it to be about an experience and getting lost in something. Mm. I watched um, Sweetgrass. Oh, right, yeah. Um, you know, and I am... Um, yeah, yeah, and it's really like, you don't know where it's going exactly, and all you know is it's getting there slow, and and it was just quite lovely how it like just slowly moved and was immersive, and I'm like, mm. oh, I was really getting lost with these shepherds and you know in the montana mm. mountains is and their frustrations and what you know watching nature take its course and then i went to see um a movie at film society actually the third in the dry Lieben trilogy oh, yeah. and you know it, it was about a murderer and he was a sim- simple mind and you know but you know and then there was yeah. the, the cop who was too old but wouldn't give up the case and oh, all this yeah, stuff yeah. and it was just like on a surface level, it was far more "quote unquote" interesting because yeah. you know there's cops, there's murders, there's yeah. you know people at risk, blah blah blah. Um, but it was fucking boring because, like, I'm like, I've seen this narrative, yeah, I know this story, and I I'm just like, you know, you, I think it's just a danger. You watch too many movies, and yeah. it's like, you know, there's maybe only so many stories, or yeah, that are coherent, and yeah, once you you know the story you're seeing, you're like, well. Well, that's why I guess you find it exciting when you do see something that approaches something in a fresh way. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I guess, like, and I mean, I'm sure that, like, I mean, having said that, like, oh, all the stories are taken, I mean, I'm sure there's always going to be yeah. movies that find new stories or mm. find, find ways to tell the same stories in ways that are interesting. Mm. But I think just where I'm at right now, personally, it's like, if I have a choice of seeing, like, you know, a, a familiar story well told yeah. or... Uh, an unfamiliar cinematic experience yeah. that may have narrative flaws, confusions of character motivation, yeah, yeah. not recognizable humanity in traditional senses. I'm totally going to go for the latter every <laughs> single time, you know? Yeah, I, I don't mind a eh? like. I, I don't mind a long film. I saw um, Historias Extraordinaires or Extraordinary Stories a little while ago, but yeah. you know, and it's got stories in its title, um, yeah. which was. Four hours as well, yeah, right? Four, yeah, four, four odd hours, and and that was fantastic. I really liked it. Um, and it was that was a, a mesh of kind of interweaving slightly surreal storylines, and it it wasn't really a tight narrative, but it did have some narrative flow to it. 
and, and I, I I really got into that. And there, I mean, length doesn't perturb me, but I I if I don't find something. Like, I, well, I check out the trailer for this yeah. one because I mean, then maybe that's all you'll need. You'll yeah. get the trailer, like, oh, I like the guy. Yeah. The guy put shots together. Yeah, um, uh, I'll be, I might do yeah. that, I, and maybe I should too. Because like, if I don't like the way he put shots together, I don't know that I'll be able to deal with four hours. Of that. <laughs> um, actually, speaking of story, one that I left off the list, but I, I think should bring up is um, the Selfish Giant. Do you know about it? Uh, Cleo Barnard. She did a film called The Arbor. Oh yes, um, yes. Um, which played at the fest a couple of years ago, which kind of went under the radar for a lot of people. Wasn't that some? It was kind of somewhat biographical. It, yeah, it was it? Well, it was about uh, Andrea Dunbar. Uh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and it was a, it used an interesting tactic in that actors um, lip synced her yeah. r- words and recordings of her yeah, in yeah. the locations where she grew up. Um, and this new film, The Selfish Giant, uh, debuted at Cannes, and. Um, I think is a bit more Darden. There's a coming of age thing to it, so I'm a little. Weird. <laughs> that doesn't sound. No, but it sounds to you, which is yeah, why yeah, I mentioned yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, and and a lot of reasonable people have thought it's an astonishing piece of filmmaking. So, oh yeah, selfish um, giant. Selfish giant. So yeah, if you like the cool. opposite of everything I was talking about with the Lav Diaz film, yeah, yeah, yeah. then um, it should it should yeah. I I'm mean, into it. It's probably what eighty minutes. No. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably nice and svelte. Um, you know, you can you can go get a popcorn beforehand. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think, hush, I, man, hush. No, no. What are you talking about? There's nothing wrong with popcorn. Um, Ninety three minutes. Look at that. Doesn't that kid look like he's going to learn some important lessons about life and love? Um, <laughs> Based on an Oscar Wilde short story, that's interesting. Hey, there um, you go. So yeah, I mean, um, I, I suppose I guess I bring it up in the sense that if I if I do see a film along those lines, it'll probably be, be that, that one. Yeah, because um, at least of what's been announced so far. But um, speaking of um, new ways of uh, of of telling a story or approaching a story, this this next film that I knew I not heard, but you mentioned to me, and as soon as you mentioned it to me, I'm like, wow, that has to go in my massive pile. Yeah, the missing picture. Yeah, which I believe one. Either director's Fortnite or in certain regard, one of the um, sidebar yeah. things. Um, yeah, so it, which also ties in a bit to the act of killing, and yeah. I think so. The missing picture is about Cambodia yeah. during the Khmer Rouge era, Khmer Rouge. where yep. there were um, lots of people killed. This is yeah. Doug's horrible process of history here, um, and there's yeah, very awful. little documentation of it. Yeah, and so how do you make a film about something? that there's not much documentation of. And people have in the past made Khmer Rouge documentaries that yeah. are, like, sitting down and talking to survivors and very, you know, stone-faced, you know, four hours of testimony. Oh, God, yeah. it was terrible. People, he did horrible things. And yeah. You know, we know that. Um, this filmmaker has decided to go a different route and use um, puppetry. Yeah. And, and I think amongst other things, I think there's fo- photographs and other yeah, things yeah. as well. But, um, it's, that sounds fascinating, man. Yeah. And, and so trying to bring those stories to life through a completely different medium yeah. that you would expect, certainly one that's not affiliated with, you know, well, uh, the, something this so disarming even, yeah. you know? I mean, that... That's true, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I suppose in the same way that the act of killing is kind of using yeah. uh, the popularist representation of violence, it's mm. like a, a similarly appropriating mm. a conventional art form used for something. For kids, mostly. Yeah, 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 true. I, I have a strange relationship to puppetry because one of my good friends in Houston had a um, uh, puppet troupe 
that would play at rock clubs and oh. like we'd play it on you know it'd be like, and, you know, and you, know, you went to the King's Arms and suddenly instead of there's a band there's a puppet troupe on stage and like my their favorite one that I did was one called the Black Box about the oh, first yeah. scenes about um, this plane that goes, yeah. that goes down and they take the black box to the um, mom of the family oh yeah and they press the button on it and it's just the pilot going no no it's wrong it's also wrong no no oh and then the kid starts pressing the button over and over again and thinking it's his dad. Yeah. And he'd ask his mom to get something in it. And, you know, can I have some candy? I'm like, I don't think you should have some. He's like, well, I don't think dad agrees with you. Do you think that mom's right? No, no, it's right. You know, it's a really twi- you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, Bob Adoption Puppet Theater. I have no idea if they ever documented that. But, um oh. It, yeah, so anyway, regard. yeah, but you are right that culturally yeah. speaking, South Park aside, puppets are uh, yeah, yeah. generally considered meet the, uh, meet the people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so apart from every exception ever, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, that seems a really interesting way of dealing mm. with atrocity. There's another film that deals with atrocity in a different way. <laughs> Or deals in atrocity. <laughs> yeah. So, so just just to give backstory, we I, I sort of have sort of four tiers of of what I was gonna see, maybe definitely see, probably see, maybe see, most likely not see. And this film by Amad Escalante that played mm. a can called Heli uh, was on four, and you were like, "Well, what's in that?" And I'm like, "Well, it's I I, I know it's about like crime in Mexico, and there's mm. a lot of rip from the headlines, sort of." Um, gory details in it shot in sort of a long take yeah um, very detailed way and spoiler for the opening scene in the next 30 seconds this undercover cop is found out by this drug organization and in what's somehow done in an unbroken shot I think he's hung from a bridge and his genitals are set on fire and I told this to Jacob he said uh, move that from tier 4 to tier 3 for me <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I guess that's... Take what you will from that endorsement. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I am starting to get a little bit over um, Cinetorture. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and um, the, I, I did actually... It's one, it's one of the ones where I have seen a scene from it, because I'm, I'm legitimately unsure. I mean, there are films that traffic in that sort of explicit detail yeah, that I, I find I really strongly compelling. Like that for the point of that, when you talk about... Um, <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm interested in Mexico, but also right. um, the whole idea of you know long takes and perhaps a, a more artistic way of um, framing some of that stuff. I mean, not a particularly surreal film, but a film that we both kind of liked. I think Miss Bala was an interesting framing and take on, on what could have been quite a mundane, run of the mill. I think this film is a bit more yeah, um, this is more violent, kind of violent. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not so. Uh, convinced that it's um uh going to strike me in quite the same mm. way yeah i mean it is um it's certainly the only chance i'll have to see it on the big screen and um there is something watching the um the bit clip that i saw online i the heli is um i think the name of a 13 year old girl who um gets wrapped up in all of this and things don't go well it's, <laughs> without going into too much detail um, but yeah and and given that that's how the film starts, I can't be yeah. optimistic for what I'm going to have to sit through. On the opposite side of the fun scale, yeah. um, from a director who doesn't always traffic in fun, but um, no. 
the new um, and supposedly the final fun. Steven Soderbergh film, Behind the Candelabra, which is actually the opening night film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, according to the paper, um, which got a lot of notices for uh, Michael Douglas playing Liberace. Yeah, yeah. And um, Matt Damon playing his boyfriend. Right, yeah. It's interesting because it was made for HBO, and and I kind of thought it was a yeah TV movie thing or something, and I wasn't like super prioritizing it, but uh, it did receive great notices at Cannes. Yeah, and, it did. Um, um, there was a lot of good sort of feedback coming from a lot of critics I follow coming out of Cannes. Yeah, and um, and, I and just, it's Soderbergh. Yeah. I mean, I, I I watched most Soderbergh films that come mm. out, I guess, but like the Coens. Yeah, what we were talking about before, was, and, and I don't yeah. always gel with his films, but they're mostly pretty decent or at least worth watching I think even if you don't like them um, yeah I mean I think Ocean's 13 is the only one that I felt really like completely impatient with yeah I mean it, I, it, if it's something like the girlfriend experience which I thought was a bit of an obtuse film yeah. but it was like it's like well he's you know it's trying to do something yeah, yeah. Um, you know and um, and I know not everyone like the Shea films but I really dug them um, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I was as big a fan, but I I wouldn't complain about them. I mean, and then things like Bubble, which I I still haven't seen Bubble. Oh, really? Um, yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, anyone who's done the Limey, Out of Sight, yeah. Schizopolis, Solaris, yeah, his Solaris, I actually really enjoy. His Solaris is so underrated. Yeah, it's one of the most stunning images. Mm. You know, just sound and image together mm. like that's I could watch that film on loop, and it's. So I wasn't expecting, I was sort of, you know, coming from being a fan of Tarkovsky's uh, mm. version, I, I I was thinking, oh yeah, but actually I thought, this is actually really good. Yeah, and it's a real shame that it kind of, um, yeah, I think got really overlooked at the time, but it's, mm. um, yeah, oh, The Informant? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah this is, I've yet to rewatch that actually, I've been meaning to. It's fantastic. Yeah, uh, I think, because I, I had a little bit of a, saw it, um... At the, marathon, at the yeah. marathon, and it was the after breakfast film, um, and so I'd seen it in light of all of this amazing trash or whacked out stuff. Like I think that came after the run with the visitor, um, and Night Train to Night Terror, Train to Terror yeah. which was just so insanely messed up that I was in you know cine geek heaven. Yeah, um, and then it was oh yeah, this is interesting. Uh, yeah. And so I think I, I underplayed. I, I even I think I commented at the time that this would probably, out of this context, do a lot better for me. Mm. Um, so I, I should I really should get round to doing it. I just kind of haven't as yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I've, even though I buy a lot of films, I don't seem to rewatch them as much as I should. But um, mm. that's one that I, I'll often just put on in the background oh, and nice. just get uh, just it got this nice jazzy feel to it. And yeah, you yeah. Kind of go in and out of it, and you kind of lose track of the plot a little bit, but it doesn't really matter. And um, mm. yeah. Oh, no. Nice. Very enjoyable. Um, Do you know much about Liberace? I... Like, I remember... I know of him, and I know my parents <laughs> kind of knew a little bit about him, but I didn't... I... Yeah, he's before my time. I, All um... I remember is the, the proliferation of jewellery on his fingers. Yeah, I, I actually... The other week, I broke out one of my uh, Muppet Show DVDs, and what, I was like, what should I watch? I'm like, oh, there's an episode with Liberace. I should watch this in preparation <laughs> yeah. for the um, Soderbergh film, and that's my um, first experience watching any live footage. Mm. of Liberace so oh. yeah I don't have much of anything invested in him I mean he's an incredible performer and an yeah. incredible technically an incredible musician you know mm. um, taste wise one can question <laughs> uh, and make any number of questions really <laughs> speaking of American um, auteurs at Cannes um, oh yeah yeah so the Bling Ring was on 
uh, sort of uh, floating at the lower end of your list, but I yeah, yeah. curious to talk about Sofia Coppola a bit. Well, well, a I'm, lot keen, of I'm keen to sing it. I'm it, keen yeah. to see it. I mean, it's one of those ones where I where I think, well, should I see it at the festival or should I just wait for it to get a broader run, which I'm sure it will mm. come back. I mean, if, if anything sort of geared up to, I'm sure that will be. Sofia Coppola is not my favourite filmmaker, but I, I think she cops a lot of flack um, that's undeserved. Or, I mean, maybe people think it's deserved. I don't. Yeah, well, I think I think it's just... I mean, I started with um, Lost in Translation, then went back to the Virgin Suicides, and then sort of followed on from there. Like I say, Have you seen everything? Uh, no, I didn't see... What was the last one? That somewhere? You did? Somewhere, yeah. I haven't seen yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, I'm keen I, to, but I just... Did that even... It, that it, play, short... it played at Rialto. Okay, I saw yeah, it at yeah. Rialto. Yeah. yeah, I started with Virgin Suicides, which I didn't like very much. Yeah. But, um, and then I saw Lost in Translation, which everybody else is like, I pretty much fell for. And then, yeah, with both Marie Antoinette and Somewhere, they're both films that I resisted going into oh, yeah. and I wound up really liking more than oh, yeah. I expected. Yeah. Um, but there was some... Marie Antoinette I sort of got dragged into. Yeah. And somewhere it was kind of the same thing where I was like... It, it got quite bad reviews yeah. initially and it, it's like, ah, oh, is it really just watching Stephen Dorff sit around in an apartment in the Chateau Marmont yeah. for two hours? And it kind of is. But it's there's something um, about the way she observes things mm. that I find really increasingly compelling through yeah. those films and uh i am but i i still find myself really resistant to the bling <laughs> ring i'm just kind of like uh it's just well, a bunch of like callow teens well, see, that's the thing. ripping off celebrities houses but isn't, isn't like, that isn't that sort of akin like i wouldn't call the films necessarily definitely not the filmmakers but isn't that the same kind of criticism people might level at spring breakers Oh, it, seems, yeah. it seems to me like it's been getting a very similar kind of dualist response. People think it's great for various reasons, or they hate it because they think she is essentially just putting in uh, experiences of a bunch of people from a set that she's au fait with and not really kind of engaging or critiquing. That's some of the criticism I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I do think there is, for whatever reason, and I don't. I don't like attributing negative mm. things to people, but it does feel somewhat sexist that she gets the, oh, it's only because of your father that you're getting to do this or whatever, when Coppola can't even get his movies released these yeah, days. Yeah. Or that she gets shit because she wasn't very good as a last-minute replacement in Godfather 3, supposedly, which I oh, still right. haven't seen. Oh, I've, or, nev- I've never seen any of the Godfather films. I've... I've Jesus. No, well, this is... See, this is one of my resistant kind of... I, I don't know how it got in place, but for whatever reason. I've had the opportunity to see them a number of times, and I've declined. Right. Something about... I, I saw a, a segment of one somewhere, I think, at someone's house, and saw it. I don't want to watch this. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and, and it's just kind of... This is probably not the place where we, I start trying to defend The Godfather, which... <laughs> Well, I think to some extent, I mean, I, I think it's simultaneous. I yeah. think it's a very good film and overrated yeah. because it's not, Yeah, you know, I think it was number one on IMDb yeah. for a while. And but see, I, I, th- I, think that's, I think that argument that people have put out about her sort of just getting somewhere because she's got a father is, I, th- I think it's a, a bit of a lame, ex- lame um, kind of critique in that, yes, if you have a well-known parent in the industry or, or, you are somehow connected to a significant event, A, that's not your fault. Yeah. B, yes, you're going to get some notice and at least a foot in the door, but if you're really shit, you're not going to go anywhere with it. 
Well, there's even a control because her brother yeah. makes films. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And he's only got two off the ground, yeah, and they yeah. haven't been very well received. Yeah, you know. And um, if at the end of the day, like the argument is, oh well, she's only been able to make films because of yeah her name. I think, and I think the extent to which that's true maybe says more about how hard it is. For female directors to, to get, get any traction, yeah, and they, that's not yeah. a critique on her. It's the fact that, despite having obviously some degree of talent, because yeah. I find value in all four of those films, yeah. even though *Virgin Suicides* didn't quite work for me, I'd be curious to revisit it now. Like, um, I, I think I quite enjoyed it, but um, yeah, most people did. You know, mm. thirteen years later, or whatever. Yeah. Question: If I missed something there, but yeah, she shouldn't have to answer. Those questions like is Harmony Korean only getting to make movies because mm. Larry Clark made a film out of kids? And, but I mean, the other know? thing, the other thing is, is that um, it's 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 not even a rare circumstance. It's like anything where there's like um, old school family businesses where mm. your parents are in a business and people then are geared up to be in that business if they want to be. They don't always, but it's the same in Hollywood. It's not nepotism. Mm. It's that if your parents are creative types, they're writers, they're filmmakers, they're actors then you're exposed to that and it becomes a valid choice and and you get exposed to certain things that yeah. maybe you wouldn't otherwise or you're growing up on sex yeah. you know you're you're seeing it all in action you're understanding all the structures about it it's it's yeah. like growing up on a farm and then becoming a farmer it's like and so oh, it's should, nepotism yeah. that you got to be a farmer yeah. it shouldn't be it shouldn't <laughs> be um, surprising that um, someone from that setting is um, has the tools and resources and, and experience to get something like that off the ground but she's definitely got some skills like I said, you know, you, um, an introduction like that gives you maybe one or two chances um, to try to prove yourself, yeah. and after that, it doesn't traffic much more for you, I think. Um, and people have made money on most of her films. Yeah. I don't think they made money on somewhere, but yeah, um, they certainly made money on Lost in Translation. Yeah, and that gets you. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any major bone to pick with yeah. her, and I think like. But I, I, um, I'm just interested to see what she's gonna do from this and I want to make I, I want to sort of form my own opinion around how I think that plays out and perhaps how that relates to her uh, but even you know the, how I take what she puts on screen like the callousness mm. whether whether it's an observation a critique a, an engagement with a kind of a today lifestyle mm. for for a certain set of people yeah it's, it's one of those things that I think like a lot of the people that criticize her for mm. you know Profiling the types of people that she's yeah around, Round. and I mean, and that's even kind of you know Marie Antoinette. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a pretty yeah far reach if you're going to try to make that yeah, critique. Yeah. But you know, something like Somewhere is obviously more that way. Yeah. It's like, well, do you criticize Ken Loach for making films about the people working he's class? Around? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the extension of that thing. Yeah. Is that, and then it's like, oh, is it only valid to make films about people if they're poor? Yeah, or Something. But also, also yeah. like um, when you think about um, the prevalence and and popularity of of celebrity cult, pop culture mm. um, around large groups of people, looking at that kind of and, and putting that kind of microcosm under a microscope, so that people can kind of have, perhaps have a, a more straight edge look at some of that. Is of value because I, I mean, how many times have I sat in a staff work area where people are reading um, gossip sites or gossip mags and commenting on this, that, and the other thing? I mean, I, I for whatever reason, I follow a few kind of like um, e online on Twitter or whatever, and 
I just they have a few things that yeah, I'm really off. that I'm really interested in. <laughs> they have a few kind of links to things that I go, yeah, I'm going, and that keeps me following them. But for a lot of the time, I just cringe and go, oh, this is awful. Why on earth does anyone care about this shit? You know, or or why are they subjecting people to this level of scrutiny about something so inane? You know, um, so making a film yeah. that perhaps tracks a certain set of people that people are obsessed with and putting it in a colder light or or, or a less glamorized light, maybe. Yeah, I, well, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to. I don't. I don't know what the film yeah. is trying to do. Yeah, neither my, I, my I, impression. I'm just, I'm just thinking that that could be an interesting thing, you know. My sort of impression of what I've seen of the reviews is that um, it doesn't seem like it's really trying to put it under a microscope to the level that you're describing, mm. or at least that's not how the viewers whose mm. reviews I've read have mm. perceived it. But um, yeah, it'll be. It is. It is an interesting like part of our fabric that. The, the celebrity culture is so yeah. enmeshed and there is this kind of, I suppose, obsession with biting the hand that feeds in a way yeah. where we delight, take delight in the misery. Um, there was that great Adrian Grenier doco uh, yeah, 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 that um, you know, talked about how we mediate our values yeah. through uh, these sorts of things. And so I think, I think there's a lot to be said about that. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that in a way Sofia Coppola has become kind of that's that sort of subject mm. In her own way, in a way that a lot of other filmmakers haven't been subjected to, and it's mm. un- it's unfortunate because I think it creates a dialogue around the films that's very misleading and yeah. very we we don't look at most male filmmakers and say, okay, well you're only getting to do this because of your dad, dad yeah, um, you're only getting to do this because uh, you're male, you know, <laughs> you yeah, obviously yeah. don't don't say that, and and that's and it. it I mean, in some ways, I mean, I do cringe when I look at the um, film festival guide, and they have a section like called "Women Make Movies," mm. and and I know the intent is good, and I know yeah. that it's an important corrective in a certain mm. way, but but it's sad that it has to be there. Yeah, yeah, you just want to be like, well, of course they fucking do; they make great movies. Yeah, you know, I mean, and I wish because women are people too. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, because yeah. Claire Denis exists, even if the film festival hasn't bothered to book her film this year. Oh, <laughs> you know? But the bitterness comes out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was... Uh, we, could, we could talk about regrets and that. That and um, um, the, the documentary about Jodorowsky's Dune, that would have been a nice oh, yeah. one. Mm. And uh, Borgman, which was a strange Danish film that was received some comparisons to Dogtooth. Oh, And I uh, right. played Sydney Film Festival, actually. Okay. And, um Got received kind of mixed confusion there, but um, so that one I imagine would have been eligible named or yeah, but it hasn't um showed up. So did they name all the cans pickups? They claim to have, um, but you know, there's always a surprise that maybe could get yeah. slugged in. But I, I don't, Borgman doesn't seem like the sort of thing with a sort of cut through that they yeah. try to like sneak yeah. into the last minute. It'd be like. Um, and they didn't get the Palme d'Or winner, uh, Blue is the Warmest Color, yeah. because they're, apparently that's going under some recuts, which is oh, right. interesting. Right. I, it, yeah, again, which has also had some weird controversy around it. Mm. Have you followed much of that? No, no. I, I, I read a little bit about it when it won. But. Yeah, so Blue is the Warmest Color is a three-hour <laughs> film by a Tunisian filmmaker mm. whose name I'm not even... Kachike, I think. Um, mm. And it stars Leah Sadu, who's was in MI4, I think. Yeah. And... Um, coming of age uh, lesbian love story and there's some scenes of unsimulated lesbian sex in it that Mm. are apparently not a huge part of the running time but are quite intense for when they're on and Mm. now there's been quite a lot of 
um, post-screening debate about whether it depicts true lesbian sex or an idealized male version of that or what have you. And I don't know um, if the revisiting of that has anything to do with that or if that's just a coincidence. As a closing note, I mean, there's a lot of other films that are playing and we might revisit some other ones in uh, future podcasts and we'll also know a lot more in future podcasts. And I just, I just want to take a point of personal pride as the person who is always <laughs> seems to be the relentlessly negative one in the yeah, podcast. That um, two of the films that I had quite high on my list: uh, Charles Bradley's Soul of America and Mistaken for Strangers, which is about the National. As soon as I said music, Doc, like, nah, yeah, nah, nah. So, uh-huh. so are, are you, can I interrogate you yeah. about that? Um, well, because yeah, you said okay. you, you like the National. Yeah, I do, I do like um, the National. I, I'm, like I like, I'm not buying their albums every time they come out or whatever. I had, right. list, I had listened to this latest one. Yeah, it was okay. Okay, um, but if it was a band you love, would you be going, or is it just that it's a music taco in general? That even if it was, if it was a band I loved, yes, I probably would. I, I own um, Meeting People Is Easy and other sort of Radiohead films. I didn't see, well, I haven't as yet seen the um, LCD sound system. All oh, right, no, I missed that last year. Yeah. But have you seen? Do you see many? Oh, I, I did cheer, last year. I saw, I saw a couple, um, okay. but more, I saw Mali, right? Which, which was kind of, I guess, as a documentary, was run of the mill. Except that I really, I grew up listening to Bob Marley and had a real connection with his music. So that was it filled in a lot of detail that I had no idea about, you know, as a okay. kid, um, which was pretty cool. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. It's like I kind of think that I do see. I tend to see. A lot of retro films. I see a lot of documentary, music documentary. It's not something that sort of figures as a. I want to make sure that I see a few. I might see a couple. I might not. Yeah, I guess it's. It has to particularly yeah. appeal to me, or, or maybe I'm watching it to review it or something. It's quite hard because many of the best films I've seen over the years are um, musical documentaries, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking um, there is a great run in the um, insane Texas singer songwriter trilogy. Of uh, the Devil and Daniel Johnson. Oh, that was um, fantastic! No, no, yeah. that I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, You're gonna miss me, the Rocky Erickson film, and uh, Be Here to Love Me, the film about Hans Van Zandt. Okay, um, I didn't see either of those ones, but they're they're the equal of that film. Oh, uh, really? You're gonna miss me might be my favorite. They're all. Uh, it's hard to say. They're all mm. very good films in their own right. And um, you're gonna miss me in particular. I think was quite under attended. Um, I remember. I think because I, I think Ant booked it in his section was a bit disappointed oh, yeah. with. The results, but it is um, it is something peculiar about musical documentaries that it is quite often quite hard to get people out if they're not fans. And, yeah. and so then, unless it's something like, um, I mean, some kind of monster, I think is one of the few that I've seen where I'm not really a fan of anything Metallica has done in the last yeah. fifteen twenty years or whatever. But, um, but the film was fascinating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, they're fascinating. They're like, wow, what what is this weird beast? So let me make a quick case for these two films then, just to yep. see if I can talk you into it. Okay. Or not. Um, Charles Bradley. Do you know anything about Charles Bradley? No. Charles Bradley is a 62-year-old soul singer who has, um, for most of his life... Um, Where's he from? Uh, America, the East Coast, Philly maybe, oh, yeah. I think. Um, and um, he's recently become associated with the Daptone label that put out Sharon Jones and the Daptones, oh, yeah, yeah. most famously. Yeah. And... Um, He's undergone in the last few years suddenly, you know, a similar story, I think, to Sharon Jones, actually, who oh, yeah. came to success later in life. Um, and he's he's an extraordinary 
um, sing, you know, of the level with Sharon Jones. Oh, yeah. Um, and, oh, wow. Uh, so, so I... So how long have you known about him? Uh, only recently. I, I don't, I didn't know of any of his work before Daptone started putting out his oh, okay. yeah. records. And, um, uh, yeah, he's got a new one I'm completely blanking on the name of right now that just came out. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, both his records are really worth checking out if you like that kind of 70s soul yeah. stuff. And... I imagine, without having seen the film, that the story of somebody who, you know, kind of slugging it away in little clubs all their life, and suddenly, like, I mean, he was over in Australia last year playing festivals there, Mm. you know, um, and um, there's a great video for Strictly Reserved for You, which is um, the single office thing, and, you know, it's in the diners and stuff, and and just his face, just, oh, the new album's called Victim of Love, and he's got kind of... Yeah, these wrinkles in his face, and it's just like the the amount of life that comes off of him in his voice. It's just like you know he's got a story there, and so mm-hmm. um, as long as the director didn't fuck it up, it's going to be a great film, pretty right. much just by letting him tell a story and hearing mm-hmm. that great music. Um, mistaken for strangers, I'll be. I am a little more on the edge about basically the story behind it. Yeah. Is that um, the filmmaker is the singer's brother, oh, okay. who is not as successful as his brother. brother yeah, yeah. You know, he's not singing for the national, and um, and so he goes out on tour with him as a roadie and is making this documentary about it. But apparently, it's as much about how his brother's a fuck up as it is about the national. And like, apparently, it's quite ramshackle. Like a lot yeah. of it, a lot of recordings of like. Um, sound checks with the audio levels blown out and mm. stuff like that and kind of um, not really the respectful band at the height of their powers being documented yeah, yeah. And, and will the forces of success tear them apart uh, you know yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. meeting people as easy feel more like the what the fuck am I doing with my life my brother's successful and I'm fucking rowdy <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know that that's exactly the tone yeah. of it but that's sort of the impression I have and so it's, it's um yeah, because, I'm, I'm I'm curious about it. It may very much not need to be big screen yeah. material, but I mean, I, I you know, um, I really enjoy the National. I haven't heard the new album, but they put on a great show the last time they were here, and um, I've I've been living by, and dying by a few of those songs at various points in my life. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it should be it should be at least an interesting curiosity. Yeah, yeah. And there's also a Big Star documentary, which um, do you know Big Star? I know the name. Yeah, '70s pop band. Um, Alex Chilton, that runs who's still around, and um, oh, Chris Bell, I think. And yeah, they were just really seminal power pop, like oh, yeah. just that whole idea of power of mm. power pop. Sort of, there's so many bands that have pulled from their yeah. playbook over the years, and they have so, Kizami and um, yeah, their record Third Slash Sister Lovers is oh, extraordinary. Yeah. Like it's. It's one of those, like, almost every list of the hundred albums you should own. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's like Exile on Main Street yeah. and, you know, Sgt. Pepper's and Led Zeppelin IV yeah. and Third Sister's Lovers, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, it's at that level of oh, significance wow. as a document. So, yeah, I haven't heard much about the film, so I'm kind of mm. keen to investigate it more um, before I commit to it. Because, yeah, I can't, you can't always make all of those, <laughs> and often sometimes they're just kind of, you know... Yeah, I, th- I think for me, like, for music documentaries, either you've got to have an interest in the band or the musician, or it's got to be a story that's of interest. Like, for instance, last year I, I did really enjoy Searching for Sugar Man. 
Um, although I knew nothing about Rodriguez prior to that, probably like most. Yeah, people. I still haven't seen that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, but or it's a filmmaker. Like the the subjects are usually interesting anyway, but the filmmaker. Is, inter- is an interesting filmmaker as well and you yeah. may or may not know that but you, like for instance I think one that I think of is Dig with oh right Ronnie yeah Dimona, um, which was just fascinating <laughs> <laughs> yeah well those are such extreme personalities yeah, yeah, yeah. as well in that yeah. film the Dandy Warhols and, and um, Brian Jones Brian Massacre yeah. Yeah. yeah well there's actually I just realized there's two other um Oh, music documentaries where it's mentioning yeah the source yeah, family, family yeah which yeah. is a 70s cult, cult. Uh, father yard in la which was one of those things that i'd heard about is that a music doco as well um well that was part of their um well they had a thing they musical. put out records and stuff oh, okay. as, as well as being a cult uh i mean you know, they're they're a multifunctional <laughs> cult um i don't know how much the documentary focuses on their music um and how much focuses on just the nature of being in a cult, but I, that's an ant's incredibly yeah, strange Yeah, I mean, by virtue so of being an yeah. ant section, that's already acquired an extra sort of point. It's on the list, on yeah. My, yeah. On my list, yeah. And then uh, 20 Feet from Stardom, which has been getting rave reviews at festivals around oh, the yes, country, yes, which no, is about um, the backup singers mm. who've you know been on everything from Gimme Shelter yeah, yeah. to... Um, other songs. Yeah, that does sound really interesting. Gimme Shelter. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's... Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think that there's always um, something compelling about those kind of like mm. things that mediate the space between extreme fame. extreme stardom mm. and everyday life because mm. you you can't really see yourself as I, I maybe this isn't the motivation but part of it is you can never really project yourself into being extreme you know, stardom Katy Perry or yeah. Britney Spears or or Mick Jagger or yeah. whoever but you can imagine like. That maybe if you just played your cards right, you could have just you been could at be the on right the cruise for that. Yeah, 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 you could have been, you could have been the roadie for the national, or you yeah. could have, you could have been the uh, backup singer, or one day or something like that. And um, yeah, and, and but I mean, apart from just the general appeal of the material, supposedly it's just a really well put together doco. Cool. So Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's interesting. So like, I think if I remember correctly, Cheryl Crow used to be a backup singer some time back, obviously for um, Michael Jackson. Really? Yeah, I think so. Wow. When he was young. I could be wrong. Might have been someone else. But I seem to remember that story. Well, we've, we started with spurious information. Uh, with the <laughs> killing, uh, I, think, I think we should just keep... Let's call that fact. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, well, I think we'll probably hopefully be back again before the film festival yeah. starts. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah so and give you another round of uh, and if we're, stuff if, 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 we're, about. Um, if we're in health and what have you, we'll... Um, be doing a few little updates in the middle maybe yeah we'll see yeah hopefully this one i will not be uh, coughing up a lung during yeah, and, yeah. Uh, doing the pilates and uh, <laughs> trying to keep myself in a uh, fine fettle so hopefully um unfortunately i'm working through it so i won't have the weekdays to take off but uh i you know as usual intend yeah. to see a few and maybe if we uh beg the right people correctly we can get a couple sneak peeks in as yeah. well well you'll you'll be at the um press event on yeah. monday so yeah. You'll have something to report. At this point, I haven't seen anything that's playing apart from the um, revival films, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see if uh, anything I have seen gets announced. Doesn't seem likely at this point, but mm. you never know. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll be back soon. Cool. Yep. Thanks. Take care. Yeah.